1: Hello, oh, I'm Kathy Worthington. Today on our episode of Late Boomers, we are going to delve into the world of spirituality and consciousness with our guest E. Neil
2: Elliott. And I'm Mary Elkins. Neil was originally the owner of a successful consulting firm, and had an amazing wife and family, but found that he needed something to lift him out of a serious depression. He discovered the concepts we will discuss today. And wrote his book, A Higher Road. Welcome, Neil.
3: Oh, uh, thank you, and it's uh, such a pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to having our, our conversation, Kathy and Mary.
2: Thank, thank you. you. We are too. And
1: what happened to you at the age of 57 when you found yourself in a dark place and knew you needed a change?
3: Uh, it's, well, you know, the short strokes are uh, from a from 2002 to 2015 i slowly drove myself uh into a very deep and despondent depression and we'll talk more about that um but i i got to this point of that i was uh extremely depressed and uh taking me to the brink of suicide in 2017 but in 2015 what i did is i I started to pick up some newly issued spiritual books to see whether or not um you know something would help me change how I, how I thought. And I couldn't make any of that work. So uh, that took me to sitting down and crafting a suicide note uh, um, at a little kitchen table that we had in a, in a rental, our, our house had just sold. So uh, we were just renting a little one bedroom apartment in this transitionary state. So, yeah, that was the impetus for writing. You know, I, I, some information had come to me a week prior that promise to liberate me from my thinking and, um, you know, being an engineer, I, uh, decided to, um, you know, kind of push out the plan I had for my suicide. I wanted to make sure my wife and family were going to be okay. And I could say goodbye to everybody. Um, so I was planning it out and, um, I decided that, okay, I'll, I'll give this one last thing, one more chance it's just as any is looking for any, last ditch effort to, to help me not pull the trigger. And, um, oh. and then that's, uh, you know, over the course of a year, I totally transformed myself from this deeply depressed, despondent, suicidal state to a state of inner peace, joy, love, and verve for life. And, uh, and, uh, oh. you know, happy to be alive and continue the process.
2: Oh, what a transformation and being an engineer. Please share a little of how scientific discoveries and spiritual concepts work together to explain the truth of our existence in a factual and engaging way.
3: Yeah, so you know what um can I deviate a little bit here and I'll just let me give everybody a bit of a background of where I'm at and then uh, and then I'll jump in yeah. I promise I'll answer that question. <laughs> yeah. So um, just so everybody knows, uh, you know, born in Vancouver, British Columbia, lived in Canada my entire life and uh, currently 61 years old, uh, born in 1960 and uh, married. I have a second wife and we have three kids together and I have five grandkids and they're all uh, Texans uh, and I'm a professional engineer with an MBA. And I and I want to bring that up because that will be part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I've worked over 34, 35 years in the hydroelectric industry, managing small projects or large projects, a few hundred thousand to you know a hundred million dollars. Wow. So that's mm-hmm. that kind of sets the context for who I was. So mm-hmm. um and I describe this in in my book, A Higher Road, uh, but you know, every Event and every experience that comes into our life, we actually create. And um, and I didn't understand it at the time, but um uh in a higher road, uh, the first second part of my book is a memoir of my life, and and I describe I'm a very private person, but I felt it important to be very candid in that memoir. And to and the reason is because. I wanted to demonstrate to people or illustrate to people how the patterns of thinking and feeling that I adopted and reinforced over a lifetime um, created every experience and every event that came into my life. And um, the hope with that is that if people go through this process and they decide to embark on this journey with me. Um, that they can go back and use that as a template, if you will, to look at their own lives and uh, try and sort through, oh, the kinds of behaviors or, and thinking that they adopted that created all of these events and experiences in their life.
1: May I say though, and that you have an incredible memory for those details and not everybody could go back and piece together their lives like that. You know, when I was reading the book, it's, it's like amazing the things you can remember.
3: Well, thank you. Um, You know, they obviously stuck with me for a reason. (laughs) So, um, you know, um, anyway, uh, I, you know, I'll say in retrospect, now, all of this is designed, and I was meant to go through this to be able to share this story.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And this will be something that, you know, we talk a little bit about. Um, So I You know what? So I'll back up just a little bit and then I'll get back to answering your question, Mary. Um, So let me talk about the structure of the book. So the book is called A Higher Road. Cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually. And it's a seven step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance and prosperity. And it is the process that took me from this deep suicidal depression that I found myself in to where I am today. Uh, and totally transform my thinking. Uh, So the first part of my book is just an introduction and a setup for the book and tells you what you're going to learn. The second part of the book is this memoir, which is distrust. The third part of the book is a book is a chapter on science and consciousness. Uh And, and it is a, um, an explanation of how my understanding of consciousness shifted and, and transformed or changed from what I uh, originally thought consciousness was. Uh, and then I utilize science and things we know in science today to help transition people and open people up to this new concept of consciousness and what we do in our thinking and our feeling that actually affects our biology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Then I I share a near-death experience in that chapter as well from a woman who who, uh, had a near-death experience. And that experience is is, uh, meant to help stretch your understanding of consciousness to uh, an entirely larger and new landscape, if you will, uh, of thinking about consciousness. The fourth part of the book, I share this blueprint material, That came to me in a fortuitous way that actually helped bridge this gap between spirituality and science. The fifth part of the book is my personal experience as I went through these seven steps. So my recommended way to read A Higher Road is you read it from cover to cover. You understand the process in its entirety. And if it's something that makes sense to you and you'd like to do it, then go back and start with step one or some of the science material first that I introduce and then start with step one and follow the process. If it's something that doesn't make sense to you or or you're not interested in it, then, and you bought a hard copy of the book, like a print copy or a hard um, hard, paperback or a hardcover, then I ask what you do is you, if you could just, give that book to somebody else without colorful commentary and let them discover for themselves, whether or not this process makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. And, and the reason I say that is because we all know we're great actors in our environment. We can project whatever we want to family, friends, clients, and, you know, someone who's quite affable and kind and considerate may actually be a mess inside and we just don't know it. So the you. If you give that book to them and let them discover for themselves you might make a significant difference to their lives Mm -hmm. and so if it doesn't make sense to you either put it on your shelf and read it 10 15 20 years from now or um you know just pass it on to somebody else without colorful commentary let them make their own decision
1: interesting i haven't heard an author say that before That's great. How can someone who is facing a challenging and difficult moment in life open their mind and consider different perspectives about life? Is is this something you consider possible?
3: Absolutely. And so this question will answer, or this answer will answer both Mary's question and your question. Good. So let's talk about consciousness first, and then we'll talk about some science stuff. So... I used to think that everything that I thought was in my brain and everything that I thought was something I either learned or experienced or was exposed to. And as I read some of this new material or or some of these um, books that I share in a Higher Road and I offer for people to consider reading, it helped shift the foundation of my thinking and expand my concept of consciousness. And I look back in retrospect now and say that this was all, these books were coming to me to start this process to open me up to receive this blueprint material that that I received. And uh, so the first thing, uh, you know, I went from thinking consciousness is just in my brain to understanding that Everything that I think is not in my brain, I see it more as a stream that goes by my awareness. And all of us do this. We take a thought out of that stream and in a nanosecond, we analyze it. If it's consistent with our thinking and our patterns of thought and um, and emotions, we'll keep it and we'll dwell on it. And it might be a loving thought, a kind thought. It could be a hateful or an angry thought it's the, the point is if it's consistent to what we are used to and how we think we'll keep it. If we, if it's not, we'll just throw it back in the stream. Uh-huh. And so um, we pollute our streams of consciousness that, you know, if you think that nutrition is important for your body, what we feed our minds and what we think about is even more important for our health. And, um, you know, with all of the memes that are prolific today on the Internet uh, and through TV, what we read in the newspaper, what we watch on TV, um, all of those things that we watch, we're polluting what we think about. And an example of that is, you know, I can recall and perhaps um, you have a similar experience if I if I'm reading a murder mystery novel at night. Or uh, a watching a fairly violent film or, or degrading film or, or, you know, something that's quite negative. It will. That's what I'll think about in the night. That's what will wake me up in the night. That's what I'll be thinking about. Yeah. and
2: uh-huh.
3: it's, We're reinforcing these patterns of thinking and behavior individually. We create everything that comes into our life with our thinking collectively. We, when we have these common patterns of thinking, we create collective things that come to us as societies and as countries. And so this is the kind of shift in consciousness that, um, that I've, I experienced. And I, and I came to understand that everything that I think, whether it's right or wrong, true or false, good or bad, doesn't matter. Whatever I think is really just a belief. It's just a set of beliefs that we have become, programmed from childhood to adulthood that we consider to be right, wrong, true, false, good, or bad. And so just having that concept and and that understanding for me was key to understanding that, well, if it's just a belief, that means if I have the right process, I could actually change those beliefs. Um, So I couldn't at the time, but at least now I have this little crack in my, uh, you know, kind of a crevice opening up to to get me to think about things differently. Um, then I read a book on epigenetics, and essentially what that book um, explained to me, and it's all based in science, is that what we think and what we feel affects the expression of a cell. So the expression of a cell is the work it does. So we can either... Um, promote the health and well-being of a cell, or we can uh, promote um, illness or or be detrimental or contrary to that health and well-being. Then the next book I read, and, and again, I share all of this in a higher road. Uh, the next thing I read was uh, uh, some books on neuroplasticity. So prior to 1960, science thought the brain grew to a certain size, and then it atrophied over time. In the, 19, in the 1960s, they discovered that um, you could actually change the neural pathways in your brain and how you thought. So if there's a damaged area to the brain, um, you could essentially rewire how you thought and how those um, neurons pass through the brain uh, to change how you thought. The other thing, or the pathways that you thought through, the other thing was that um, you could grow new brain cells and um so there's a great book that i offer for people to consider reading easy read and um you know they it's a medical uh, professional that uses examples real life examples of uh, for example if someone had a brain injury that had negative effects from that brain injury and um through a process they change how they thought they could alleviate um, most if not all of those negative effects so that's a good book. It's easy to read.
2: So you can rewire your brain when you've had a brain injury and uh, be- begin life again as a normal
3: person? Well, it depends. You know, it's going to depend on the person itself and and the process they go through. Um, but, you know, you could become, you know, I have actually have had a friend who um, had a serious brain injury. They thought he was going to die. Um, and, um, he was quite debilitated for a number of years, but he's quite functional now. Now he's not back to the PhD level that he was prior to that, but he functions on his own. He lives on his own. You know, have a conversation with him. He might not remember who you are, but, um, oh. you know, he's, 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 um, you know, uh, yeah. he was a, a very smart and successful individual and, uh, you know, he didn't quite regain that, but, uh, he has a normal life.
2: Well, how did all this affect you and well, help you gain knowledge? And the, how how did you rewire your process for your own journey to self-awareness?
3: So this is, so there's a bigger story. So a uh, good question. Um, so this, what this chapter is doing, so I'm talking a little bit about what I share in this chapter on science and consciousness. Mm-hmm. And what this is doing is it, it, it helped me, understand that we know things in science today that I did not know about. So for, if, you know, what you think about affects your health or is detrimental to it. You can rewire your brain. You can grow new brain cells. Then I read a book, um, a near death experience about a woman who um, was suffering from an aggressive cancer over a four year period. Um, she, her body was riddled with tumors from her waist to her, um, to her head. And she had these open weeping lesions. Um, her body weight rate, you know, went from a normal body weight down to 75 to 90 pounds. She couldn't lift her head on her own. She was on oxygen 24 hours a day. And, um, she was, she fell into a coma and they rushed her to the hospital. The admitting physicians told her husband and family she wouldn't make it through the night. Uh, 24 hours later, she woke up and she declared she'd be okay. And within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't know why. They just call it a spontaneous remission but it's all documented. So again, it's doc, it's observed, you know, and documented. So to me, that's all tangible stuff that, you know, in science, based in science, my engineering background, my the way I think I like those things that, you know, we have some data on. And so for me that what was important with her book Um, was that one, it was all documented in the hospital records, but two is her description of what happened in that 24 hour period and what Uh, she experienced.
1: Yeah. That's the gem.
3: And, um, yeah, absolutely. And so she has a really great, um, description of the various things that happened to her that to me were believable, maybe not totally understandable, but believable Uh. and, So she had, she brought back a number of messages, but one, you know, a few messages were: we come from love, we return to love. We're all unified after we die. So that's that's a little bit hard to get your head around, but we're all unified after we die and that we're not judged after death. So I read that book and I had this little, even though I grew up agnostic, I had this little nagging Christian doubt, if you will, that. I would go to hell or purgatory if I committed suicide. So mm-hmm. that book at the time, what it did for me was it gave me permission to commit suicide.
2: Oh.
1: Cause
3: it alleviated that little doubt. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, but a week prior to me sitting down at the table, this other information came to me and I call it a blueprint uh, document. This other information came to me uh, that promised to liberate me from my thinking. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, um, you know, I was planning my suicide three months out, so to speak. So I thought, okay, I'll push that out. Uh, No one in my family knew. My wife didn't know, you know, the state I was in. So I'll push that out and I'll study this material. And if it works great, and if it doesn't, you know, I can always still do the final act. So I sat down and I thought, okay, I'll embark on this blueprint material. And you need to come to this information. So I've gathered all this information together. And after somebody reads a higher road, cover to cover, decide they want to embark on this journey, then I explain to them how they can get access to this material for free. I've gathered it all together in a PDF and I provide it to people that, you know, get to that step where they want to, you know, embark on this. So this material, you have to come to it with an open mind. You have to come to it like a child, you know, full of uh, curiosity and wonder and no prejudgments when you um judge something uh or doubt you will create these consciousness barriers that will prevent you from learning and will eradicate um insights and learning that you've already gained so it's important that you do not doubt when you read this material when you if you come across something that's questionable for you the important thing is don't dwell on it use positive affirmations or just don't think about it, just carry on with your learning and understanding. And this material is like a higher road, like I've constructed a higher road. It, it's built on a foundation of science, but it will take you into this realm of bridging science, uh, spirituality to science. So, for example, what do we know in science today that we didn't know 100 years ago? We know that... Um, at a subatomic level, everything is just energy. So the, um, so, you know, science believes there was a big bang. They don't know of what, and they don't know why, but out of that big bang came everything we see in the material universe. And, uh, electromagnetism came out of that big bang. They don't know why and they don't know how, but it came out of the big bang as well. And, um, then we know that everything at a subatomic level they have discovered now it is it is all just energy so science believes there's a big bang and then these um, electrical particles um, randomly got together and formed elements and these elements randomly got together and formed a living molecule and these living molecules randomly got together and formed a cell the first living cell And then through evolution and billions of years, we have what we have today in terms of all the living matter that we have. And um, so let's look at a cell, for example. Um, You know, the sperm fertilizes the ovum. You start with one cell that divides into two, goes into four, then eight, and so on. And over nine months, you build this um, intricate workings of this body that we have. And... um, And when you think about it, what we know in science today is that every cell in the body has the library of information for the entire body. The only difference between a liver cell and a hair cell is the work that it does. And so when you think about that, you think about, well, you know, we have groups of cells that will build the liver. They maintain that liver. They keep it healthy. And um, we have all of this... Harmonious work that happens within the body—they ne- each of these cells never intrude on another on another's work, and they don't suddenly, if they're building a liver, they don't suddenly spring into making an ear. <laughs> so we have we have more harmony in our body and in our cells than we as humans display. Mm-hmm. So that you know, when we look at one cell, so let's look at one cell. Um, The cell is this unique thing that has this permeable membrane around it. And the cell um, can discern what is the right nutrition that's going to be healthy for it and, and take that in through the permeable membrane and also discern when there's buildup of toxic waste and then eject that out of the membrane. That is the first act of consciousness. So the question is when did consciousness first Creep into living matter. So we know in a cell um, that you know that is um, an act of consciousness. It is purposeful and uh, it is um, you know deliberate. And so if you can if you can take that leap, then you can look and go, okay. Well, if there's consciousness in a cell, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the living molecules that got together to form a cell? Yeah. And if there's consciousness in the living molecules, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the elements that got together to form a living molecule? And if there's consciousness in the elements, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the electrical particles that got together to form an element? And so, you know, you take this back, you think about it, you ponder it, and um, I came to the conclusion, obviously, that there's consciousness in all of these things, and there's a directional force. Somewhere From somewhere, some creator, there's a directional force. And so this blueprint material will describe exactly what was before the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, what happened at the time of the Big Bang, and then how the material universe came about. And um, if you follow the seven steps that I offer people, and you spend the time and the energy and the dedication to it, you will build an insight and understanding. You will build new knowledge. And, um, and you'll also go through a process that enables you over time to connect with the divine. So we'll, I'm going to call it the divine in, in this conversation. You can call it God. You can call it Yahweh. You can call it the Tao. You can call it Allah. You can call it our creator, the source of our being. Whatever it is, it's all the same. And so, the um, so how does all of this work? And and you'll learn so much by following this process. But um, you'll learn a process where you will be able to bridge this gap between spirituality and science by all of the things that are discussed and taught to you as you go through this process. And when you and you'll learn a meditation. And, um, and the meditation comes later in the, in the, um, in the process. And the reason is because you need to gain some of this knowledge and understanding before this meditation is really going to work for you. Huh. So, um, so let me pause there for a moment and see if you have any questions and then I can describe my experience. Uh, for example, that, uh, you know, kind of might be useful unless there's some questions in between.
1: I would love to know once you got all the scientific breakthroughs and discoveries, then how did you come to the meditation aspect of this and how did you turn your life around with this?
3: So um, probably the best way to answer the question uh, to carry on with this is, is let me quickly tell you what the seven steps are at a high level. Okay. So first, you're going to open your mind by following this um, chapter on consciousness and science and, and um, this near-death experience. And I suggest everybody read this near-death experience um, by this woman so that you follow this process. Step two is I'm going to uh, unveil this blueprint document and these truths. I call them truths. And, uh, and I'm going to share some stuff associated with that to give you a taste of the writing. Uh, the third thing you're going to do is you're going to write yourself a letter. And it's a letter um, that is only for you. It's not to please a God. It's not to share with your family or friends or your spouse. And uh, it's really about how do you really feel about life? And if you're, you know, you happy with it and all the things, or would you rather be done? Huh. Uh, and, uh, the reason you do that is you, you want to be able to document this so that you can compare where you currently are with where you're going to be in a year. If you follow this uh, process, hmm. so you'll Good. seal that away. You write the letter, you seal it away. You're given instructions on how to do this. You'll write the letter, you'll seal it. You'll put it away. You won't show anybody. It's not for anybody's eyes. It's only for you. So it's, you've got to be totally truthful with yourself. Then, um, the third step or the fourth step is you're going to follow a process to cleanse your consciousness. The fifth step is you're going to rebuild your consciousness with, um, the golden qualities of divine consciousness. And this will come to you as you learn all of this, uh, new, new knowledge, as you gain all this new knowledge and you learn, uh, all this new, uh, these new processes, and the truth of how and why we're created. Uh-huh. Then the um, sixth step is you're going to learn how to do this meditation. And you're going to follow the process uh, for a daily meditation. And then the seventh step is a rinse and repeat. You're going to repeat this, some of this stuff. Because this, this cleansing and rebuilding doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So let me describe what happened to me for uh, for that year. So... It took me a year. It might take you longer. It might take you less time. But you know, I can describe what happened to me. So it took a year. So I embarked on this journey. I started to read this information. It is so rational. It is so logical. It is um, just so clear and understanding. But it takes a while to understand the um, spiritual words of enlightenment. Enlightenment cannot be fully comprehended nor understood by the human mind. It takes time and dedication to actually learn this stuff, and so as I followed this process and I and uh, gained this new knowledge, what happened was I started to build new brain cells under and, uh, the topmost part of my brain underneath the skull, and that happens slowly, and you don't know what's going on, but that's what's happening: is you're building new brain cells, impressed with new knowledge. At the seven-month mark, I felt this little thing, probably about the size of a dime, this little tingly thing on the top of my head, and I thought that was kind of weird. I didn't know what it was. But over time, that grew. And um, a couple of months later, I finally realized that this is what was going on. and I was, I was building these new brain cells, impressed with this new knowledge. And um, that today, that opening, you can put a bowl over my head that goes to the bottom of my ears. It's all, it's all the top of my head. And, um, so at a, at one point, what you do is, or what I felt was I felt this inflow of spiritual energy into my head and it's, we don't have the language to describe this humans don't have the language to describe this, but, um, yeah, I felt this inflow of energy at the top of my head over a period of time. Then it started to go into my body and it went down one side of my body up the other or it'd go into my chest or my solar plexus or, you know, down further down in my body come back up Um, and a year after about 13 months after I began this process I went into two meditations uh, that were about two three days apart and I was just completely enveloped and, and bathed in unconditional love and it's a it's a it's it's indescribable it is an unconditional love that you know, we as humans don't know and can't experience until you go through this process. And it, I didn't care what happened to my body. I didn't care what pain it was in. I didn't care what care what ailments it had. I just wanted to stay in this state forever. I felt non-judged. I felt fully supported and I felt totally bathed in unconditional love. And it is an experience that just, it sticks with you. And when these and you'll have these kinds of meditations. And as you have these kinds of meditations and you have this connection with the divine, you will know that what you now know is true. And when that happens, your life changes. And I've been on this journey now for just over four years. <laughs> and um, it just gets better and better and better. So we are. Um, Our souls, so now we have to talk about it from a soul's perspective. So our souls are fragments of divine consciousness. Everybody's soul is equal. It is unconditional love. The divine or the universal radiates unstintingly unconditional love to all of creation, but it is such a that operates at such a high frequency and it is so spiritually refined that we cannot feel it or um, it cannot penetrate its, itself into us for us to be aware of it. And until you start this process where you build these new brain cells that operate at a higher frequency that can connect back with the divine. And when you do that, then you get this direct inflow of the divine and you get your life becomes inspired. You get directions about about what it is you need to do and what you should be working on. And, and, um, you know, you go through this process of continual cleansing and rebuilding. And so when I see somebody today, um, so let me talk about the ego for a sec. So the ego is a tool of, um, creation to, um, create individuals out of the wholeness of divine of the divine and so this is the fragment of uh, your soul being a fragment of divine consciousness so we are unified after we di- after we die um our our bodies go to dust but our soul moves on and the, when you think about uh the 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 ego is this tool of creation that uses the forces of electromagnetism to create this individuality. And so when we grow from babyhood to adulthood, you know, when you first come in, your brain doesn't develop till about age five, where it starts to make conscious decisions for itself and, um, uh, and be able to make choices up until age five, we're just sponges. We're just absorbing everything that's around us, family, friends, parents, Um, In terms of emotions and their thinking and the culture we've been born into, the religion we've been born into. Um, And at age five, we start to make decisions for ourselves. We think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world as we grow from babyhood to adulthood. But what we're really doing is we're binding down our soul and we're cutting ourselves off from connection with our soul, from the soul to the divine. And our ego takes control of our life. And your ego can only do things through these forces of electromagnetism. It bonds with everything that it likes, I like ice cream, I like chocolate cake. I like that kind of car. It rejects everything that it doesn't. I don't like that person. I don't want to go to that place. I don't like that event. You know, it, as such, I don't like that kind of food. These are the only mechanisms that the ego has. And this is a tool um, for... Us to create the experiences and the feelings that we experience um, to create a richness for the divine and the divine and the universal is unconditional love. So the only way I can have these other experiences is through this creation that's been, um, you know, through the through the ego, and um, all of this will make sense when you actually follow this process. But our soul is um, going through an evolution. So it comes back many, many times, many reincarnations.
2: So Neil, um, you've been talking about ego and the divine. How does that lead us into trying to find what our life's purpose is and how to achieve Uh, it?
3: Yeah, so uh, let's carry on with the soul for a sec here, and, and this will answer that question. So if, um, you know, the soul, we have to think, we have to take our frame of reference off of one lifetime, and we need to look at it from a soul's evolutionary perspective. So you will be born into varying genders, varying places of uh, origin, different cultures, different colors of skin, uh, different education, um, different experiences with wealth, wealthy, poor, et cetera. And all of these are to create an enrichment and experiences for the soul to experience. Over time, what happens is that it's only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul uh, gain self-knowledge to retain individuality uh, after it's discarded the ego. Your purpose over, from a soul's perspective, your purpose is for your soul to finally wake up and understand what it's doing to itself from all of these um, ego impulsive thinking and um, find a process um, to go through this inner cleansing and rebuilding to reconnect back with the divine. And our purpose is you are not here to please God. You, we are here to express God and God is unconditional love. Our purpose is to come to this school we call Earth and to be open and purified channels of the divine and express unconditional love to everyone and everything. When I see a person today, um, I, what I see is I see that their soul is equal to mine. I see a soul which is unconditional love And anything that they're doing is, um, I look at it and I say anything that they're doing that may be reprehensible or something that I disagree with, and maybe is quite negative. I see it as, um, their ego is in control and it is the things that they need to create an experience for themselves that they need to draw and manifest into their life that creates these experiences that helps their soul on the journey back to the light. And so, you know, you think with electrical impulses in your brain, you feel with magnetic impulses in your nervous system, everything that you think is an electrical consciousness plan that with your feelings, you magnetize And um, whether it's a a loving feeling or a hateful feeling, you will uh, create these blueprints of consciousness, and we do thousands of them every day. And over time, you will magnetize them to where they draw to you a like experience or a like event. And you will never really because we don't know that we're doing this we don't even understand how we're doing it but when you understand these mechanics you can start to look at what am i thinking about how am i feeling about that and you'll be able to make these connections with what's coming into your life with your patterns of thinking and when you go through this process of inner cleansing you will start to clear yourself of all of those things that create these negative experiences in your life and negative experiences for other people. And when you do that, then you start to um, wake yourself up and you start to make this connection with the divine and you start to get to a place where you start to um, express unconditional love to everybody, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're saying. And it takes time to do this, but your life totally transforms. Your, your world you, you know, we, what you see is a reflection of your beliefs and when you change your beliefs, even though things materially might not change around you, you view things differently. And I see things today from an unconditional loving perspective where before I would have thought, you know, some things I saw, I would have believed are quite negative or, or, um, you know, detrimental. Now I see everything. As a, if something's coming to me that I'm not learning and it may create some what I would have considered negative experience in my life before, a pain, an illness, a, a bad event, I see it now as a lesson that I need to unravel and understand what am I thinking that's drawing me into it, that, that draws this to me and change that thinking.
2: Our guest today on Late Boomers has been D. Neil Elliott, author of the book A Higher Road. If you would like to read his book, you can start by visiting his website, DNeilElliott.com. That's D-N-E-I-L-E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot com and read a free chapter. Thank you so much, Neil.
3: Thank you so much, Mary and Kathy. And um, uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, yeah, it's. Books available on Amazon or through local bookstores in paperback or in all your favorite ebook forms.
1: Thanks. And we want to remind our listeners also to follow Late Boomers on Instagram and follow your hosts at im Kathy Worthington and at IM Mary Elkins. And please email us by visiting our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, and let us know what you're enjoying and whether we have inspired you on something. Thanks again, Neil. Yes, thank you.
3: Thank you so much and a pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com.
2: This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.
0: Go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.